Most, no, nobody but the worship team can see what's on this screen right here, but uh, Russ put on here this morning. So says, do you know who you are worshiping? Do you know who you are worshiping? You know, we don't just come to church to hear a speech made, do we? We don't, we don't come to hear just a man talk about things that's in God's Word. We come to, to experience God, I hope. I hope you come to experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And if you didn't come to worship God, then what did you come for this morning? I want you to think about that this morning. I want, I want to pray before we get started because God just prompted me to do that. I want you to, before I pray, I want you to think about, I want, I want you to take everything out of your mind that's happened this week. I want you to take the, the rush of getting here this morning, maybe the kids screaming, trying to get the kids together, trying to get all that stuff, take all that stuff out. I want you to just calm your mind. And focus on Jesus right now. And then I'll pray. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning... Lord, we're not coming out of blame, just, uh, just straight up obligation. We're not coming out of that this morning. I know I'm not. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, wanting to worship you. Lord, wanting to worship you with everything that we have, God. Lord, as we sang those songs about how awesome you are, how good, good father you are, God, I just pray, Lord, that there's so many people in this room that they really don't even know that. Lord, even me as a, as a follower of you, Lord, it took me for so long to realize how much you truly love me. God, we walk in a fallen world where there's so many things trying to distract us, Lord, and we're a lot of us are distracted this morning, so God, I pray that you would just take away the distractions in our mind. Lord, I pray that you would vividly put in the forefront of our mind the cross in which you bled and died on so we would have the opportunity to come to you this morning. Father, I just pray right now that you would just touch our hearts. God, open up our minds so that we may receive what you've got prepared for us this morning. And God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been going through the series uh, called Everyday Christian where we're walking through 1 Peter. Have y'all been enjoying that? Yep. Amen. Amen. We've been enjoying that, going through it. Uh, and, and, and what's awesome about it is that we, we, we go through any connect group and then we, then we preach about it on Sunday. And as I've been going through, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to upset apple cart today. But um, as we've been going through and as I was reading uh, chapter 4 this week, 1 Peter chapter 4, God just kind of spoke something in my heart that, that I've been struggling with. I, I, I've got multiple calls and multiple texts from different people just saying, Jeremy, I feel like you're discouraged. I feel like you're mad sometimes. And, and it's like, I... That's not me. I'm not discouraged. I'm not mad. Let me tell you a little something. I want people to get, to get it so bad. I want you to get it so bad. Sometimes I, it may come off like I'm screaming at you, but I'm in desperation wanting people to understand how good God is. And this past week when I was reading 1 Peter chapter 4, God just, just touched me and he's like, the reason so many people don't get it, the reason so many people don't live it, the reason so many people don't walk away from seeing it is because their perspective is in the wrong place. 
We're looking at the wrong things. Our minds are not focused on Christ. So, and, and as I read First Peter, I mean, chapter 4, y'all, y'all stick with me, and then we're going to go somewhere else. But this is what God was really speaking in my heart this week. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Y'all repeat to say, same attitude. Same attitude as Christ. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human, evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, live orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their recklessness while living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in the, in the regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And church said, amen. And as I read through that this week, God was just showing me that, look, as we focus on this, that, that, you won't change your attitude until you change your focus. You won't change what you pursue until you change your focus. And to change your focus, you have to be intentional, ain't it right? You have to be intentional with changing your focus. And as I read through that, it's just been, God was just speaking to my heart. I'm convinced that, that most people won't live for Christ until they change their perspective on life. Life is not about you anymore. See, that's what Peter was saying here in the first verses one through six. He says, look, you should change your attitude so that it's the same attitude as Christ. If I have the same attitude as Jesus, then what's gonna happen? I'm gonna see things the same way Jesus sees things, amen? I'm gonna pursue things the same way Jesus would pursue things. That's why that bracelet that we got when we were kids said WWJD, it was trying to make you think what would Jesus do so your actions would be the way that Jesus would do things. And, And so... When I, when I read that our attitude should change, if our attitude changes, we're seeing things as Christ sees things, then guess what? Verse 2 says, as a result, they, that you will not live the rest of your life focusing on earthly things or, human, or evil human desires, but rather the will of God. We, we won't be satisfying ourselves with the same old things we won't, because we're looking toward God, amen? We're looking toward Jesus. We're looking at, through his, got an attitude like he has toward sin, toward everything. And this week when I was reading that, I was, got to thinking about it. You know, people that have the wrong outlook on life, they, 
pursue the wrong things, don't they? Our outlook on life often determines the outcome. Come on. Our outlook determines the outcome. If we're looking, you've been around people that are just negative about everything. That ain't never going to work. I don't know what you're doing that for. You know what? Stuff they do never works out because they're, they're waiting for it to fail before they get started. But if somebody has a positive attitude, they're looking for a way to make it work the whole time. I'm going, this is going to work. And they're usually the most successful people because their outlook determines their outcome. Is your outlook the outlook of Jesus? See, a lot of times we're not walking in the way God's called us to walk. We're not walking in obedience. We're not walking away from sin. It's because our outlook is still about what makes me happy instead of what pleases God. Our attitudes are weapons, and a weak or wrong attitude will defeat us. Come on, can, you, can I get a witness up in here? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You got a bad attitude, you get, you, it, it weakens your impact. And as I got to thinking about P, Peter writing this book, how would he get from where he was to where he is now? See, Peter was, was, was a man that he had the wrong outlook on life. He was a disciple. God called him. Jesus said, hey, he was fishing. He said, hey, come on out and follow me. He abandoned his life. He abandoned everything he once was and was following Jesus. And he gets to Matthew 16. And when he gets to Matthew 16, Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples. He had shown the disciples who he really was. They said they realized that he was the son of God. And then Jesus began to tell them what he was going to do. Like he said, look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And man, Peter, being the man that always puts his foot in his mouth, he said, Lord, let it not be so. He rebukes Jesus. I'm going to read this for you. Matthew 16, 22 says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He said, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind, in mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So here you go, Peter, that Jesus said down the road that he would build a church on Peter. But in this moment in his life, he had the wrong outlook on life, the wrong perspective. He said, look, you're not looking at it from a godly perspective. You're looking at this from merely human perspective. Peter then gave up everything. And now Jesus is talking about he's going to die. Peter's like, look, I'm not going to fail. And Jesus, if you die, that means I fail. You can't die. I'm not sending you. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to fail. He was looking for his own personal interest. How many of us in the room here, the reason we're not walking closer to God is because we've got our own human interest in mind. We've got the wrong perspective. We're not looking at things through the eyes of Jesus. Come on. Come on. i tell you, the quieter you are, the harder I'm going to go. Y'all think about that for a minute. But he says, look, going through, looking at it through the eyes of merely humans. And Jesus says, look, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul. Jesus rebukes Peter about looking at things through a human perspective, and then he says, the only way that you're going to really realize that you've got to give up your life and see, see that I'm better. Give your life up for me. 
If I, we focus on Christ, we're give, giving our life to Jesus and following him, amen? Our life begins to be about him. We give up our life. We give up our, what we want in exchange to do whatever Jesus wants us to do. We have a heavenly perspective of life. You will never be the God-fearing Christian that God's called you to be until your perspective changes. It comes off of your comfort, what makes me happy, and it starts being about what would this decision do for Jesus? Would Jesus approve of this decision? Would Jesus approve of this relationship? Would Jesus approve of this business transaction? Come on. And if it, a lot of times we do all these things how it makes us feel. I don't know how many marriages went and, I've known that went and divorced. Why they say, I just didn't feel it anymore. You know, some mornings you don't feel it. But I don't get a divorce because I know that I made a commitment between God and my spouse to love them till death do us part. And until she kills me, I'm still in this thing. And then we got to have that, that godly perspective of saying, I'm not giving up because I value God's opinion more than I do my own opinion. You got to have that perspective of thinking it's God's way or no way instead of my way or the highway. That's how most of us have. And, if, and the reality of things is you will never fight for God's holiness. You will never fight to be a man or woman of God until your perspective is taken off of yourself and your own comfort and put on what he thinks. And that's what Peter was saying. He was saying, look, you won't walk away from that old life until your eyes are on Jesus. And to see, he goes in, 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 in verses 7, verse 7 through 11, he talks about just a, a life of focus. He talks about how our lives should be focused on him. The only way we're going to be focused on Christ, if we're looking at the eternal prize, if, if they're looking at eternity, if we're looking at right now, if we're looking at what makes me happy for the moment, we're going to complain about suffering. We're going to complain when things don't go our way. Can I get amen? We're going to complain a little bit. But, but if we're looking at, look at the big picture, what pleases God? What's going to last for eternity? Let me tell you, I will suffer a little bit longer. I will suffer longer. I will put up with more stuff from my coworkers if I'm looking for the prize ahead instead of the comfort right now. And that's what God's telling us. That's what Paul, Peter was writing to us because he knew what it meant to fail God. He knew what it meant to have the wrong perspective. But then when he seen Jesus hanging on the cross, then he seen Jesus resurrected in front of him, his perspective changed and he realized that it's not about my comfort, but it's about pleasing my Jesus. Some of us need to get that this morning. Our perspective needs to change in order to be the follower that God's called us to be. See, our whole mindset would change if we, think, if we really think that the, that the return of Jesus Christ is near. But the problem with that is all of us have heard our grandparents say he could come back any day. Come on, any of y'all heard of that? He could come back any day. You know, it, it becomes to be like the little boy that cried wolf. We don't think he's ever coming back. So what do we do? We back up and we just do what we want to do and say, I got plenty of time. You know, the company I used to work for, we had, uh, it was a great idea for management to put GPS units in all the workers' trucks. That way we can track their every move. And you know what I realized? Those that were lazy and sorry, they got so mad about it. I can't believe you're tracking me. This is about my rights. You know, they was all mad. But those that were, that were working, they said, you know what? I don't care. You can come track me because when you come, my, come where I'm at, you're going to find me working. See, that's how the attitude we have to have. But no matter when Jesus is going to come back, whether it's today or 10 years from now or 100 years from now, he's going to find me diligently seeking him and following him. 
Amen? I'm going to be diligently wanting to please him with everything of my life instead of, you know what, I'm going to live the life the way I want to, and when it gets a little bit closer, then I'll change. That's the attitude of most people. But that's not the perspective God wants you to have. Our life should be transformed, and, put, and we're looking at the prize ahead. We're looking at Jesus, wanting to please him every single day. That's what it means when he says, you must take up your cross and follow me. Every single day, I'm getting up out of the bed. I'm intentionally picking up that cross, and I'm walking with it. I'm walking with Jesus every single day. Do you pick up the cross and walk with him every day, or do you leave the cross at home when it's convenient? Come on. Are we intentionally walking with God? Because he, he says, look, if we are going to be the people he's called us to be, then our perspective has to be driven by eternity. Our actions should be driven by eternity. And if our perspective is wrong, let me tell you something. When, when, you, when, you, when your boss says something or blames you for something that you didn't do, you know what you're going to do? You're going to react in a way that does not please God. But if your mindset is on Jesus, you're going to have a totally different reaction. You have a totally different response. When somebody wrongs you, you will, you will, you will lash out because they attacked you. But when you're looking how, how that's going to affect the kingdom and affect Jesus Christ, you know what you do? You handle things differently. You talk to people in a different way. You forgive those that won't forgive you when your eyes are on Christ. I see so many people that call themselves Christians, but they're bitter, angry Christians. They hate the world. And you can tell because they're the ones sitting by themselves. Nobody even sit around them. I'm just playing. I don't know who's sitting by themselves. But that's the thing. People, I mean, you can identify people. You see them in a the grocery store. They just like, they're talking to themselves. They're so mad about life because they've got things in the wrong perspective. They're looking about me, how it makes me feel. They hurt me. They hurt my feelings, so I'm going to get them back. Instead of looking at things of, in the perspective of how God would handle the thing. Think about your perspective in life. Is your life driven by eternity? See, when our lives are driven by eternity, we will center our lives on Jesus. We will center our lives on the only things that will last for eternity. Amen? So if my life is centered on eternity, if I'm thinking Jesus could come back in the morning, what's that going to do? I'm going to wake up in the morning making sure that I am pleasing him. Amen? When I've wronged somebody, I'm going to ask for forgiveness fast. You know what I'm saying? If he can come back by lunchtime, I'm going to make sure I'm right, right? Come on. You got to think that way. If, 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 if my sister or my brother right here, they don't know Jesus, I'm not going to wait and say, you know what, I'll wait to the family reunion to tell them about Christ. Because you weren't planning on going to the family reunion anyway, but you're putting that off because you don't want to share the gospel with nobody. But if you really thought Jesus was going to come back today and you truly love your brother and sister and you want to see them in heaven, you would go share the gospel right then. Amen? See, we don't walk through life with that perspective. We walk through the life is it's all about me. And when it's convenient, it'll be about Jesus. And that's not what he's saying. To be a productive follower of Jesus Christ, our life has to be centered on the gospel. See, when our life is centered on the gospel, if you are an outline person, if you like taking notes, here's your three lines. You write them down and hang on if you can. But the first thing is that when we are centered on the gospel and centered on pleasing God, number one, we will give up sin willingly. Number two, we will live every moment to glorify God. And number three, we will see trials in a different light. When our life is, when our, our life, our perspective on life is all about Christ, we will give up sin willingly. Man, it's just, the, the, the craziest thing is that it's about people. That, that I, I've seen Christians that are walking in sin and it's like, 
I just want to slap them, be like, well, come on, wake up, wake, get out of it. What's wrong with you? You know that you're walking in this sin. You know that your life doesn't please God. You know this, but you're acting like it's okay. How can this happen? You ever felt that way? And then I remembered a time. My daddy, my family is all about practical jokes and doing things. And I remember when I was a kid, my daddy, uh, we were taking the trash out, and it was night. I was scared to death of the dark. And we were going down, and Daddy, we were taking, throwing the trash out, and Daddy said, there's one more bag. Boy, get that one last bag. And I got it, and I was going to take the trash can, and I heard the door slam. He was going to leave me at the trash can and scare me. Well, he didn't realize how fast I was, and I knew what he was doing. So when that truck, when I heard that starter go, Yow! it didn't make that second turn, and I done jumped in the back of the truck. He takes off like he's in the NASCAR, just whoa, slinging gravel. Leaving his poor 12-year-old son, he thought, at a trash can. He goes around the curve, cuts the truck off, and I hear him laughing in the truck. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I sneak out the truck like a ninja, and I'm walking behind him. Every step he takes, I'm right behind him. Daddy stops, I stop. But you know what? To begin with, I couldn't see. I just knew I was walking on the highway. I couldn't see anything around me. But the longer I stayed in the dark, the better my eyesight became. You ever had that happen? And I began to see better and better the longer I stayed. To begin with, I could barely make out my daddy. And the closer I got, the more I could, I could even read the letters on the back of his shirt. And my daddy, was he crouched down and he was laughing. And I done, I done got like this close to him. And I said, Daddy. And he said, Whoa! So let's go get in the truck. And I laughed all the way to the truck. But the thing is, the longer you stay in darkness, the longer you stay in sin, the more, the more you figure out how to do life with that sin. And there's a lot of you that know that what you're living in doesn't please God, but the longer you live in it, the, better, the, the easier it is to deal with it. But God says in, in, in 1 Peter, he says, look, God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. So if you know that, that what you're doing is not pleasing God, but, but, you know, it don't have the effect on you that it once had, it's because the darkness has dulled your conviction towards sin. And God said, look, if you are truly a child of the light, then that darkness would alarm you and you would try to get away from it. Amen? It's easy for people to get accustomed to sin when our perspective is on the wrong things, when it's about our comfort. When it's about my comfort, then you know what? If it makes me feel good, then I'm going to stay in this place that makes me feel good. But if it's about Jesus pleasing God, then if this thing in my life doesn't please God, I'm going to walk away from it. If this relationship doesn't please God, then I'm going to walk away from it. Why? Not because I don't like this person, because I love Jesus more. Amen? Because my perspective is on Christ. And until our perspective change, our view on sin will never change. And that's what's wrong with a lot of people. You're not walking away from sin. You're not growing your relationship with Christ because your perspective is still on you and it's never changed. And until you put your mind and your eyes on Jesus Christ every morning and intentionally pick up that cross and walk with him, nothing's going to change. People that I know that, 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 that constantly talk about how they're falling into sin, it's like, well, when was the last time you read your Bible? It's a long pause. When was the last time you, have you prayed? It's a long pause. How can you expect to be walking closer to Christ when you never talk to him? Because their perspective is on them and their comfort. We give a lot of excuses, but we don't make much plans. 
And by your quietness, we're going to be preaching this thing till 4 o'clock. But see, if we're supposed to have the attitude, the same attitude as Christ, then let me tell you something. Our attitude will change. Instead of having an attitude that hates or opposes sin, instead, we're okay with it. Why? Because it's looking on us. See, the one thing, the one thing that will destroy the time you have left on this earth as being a witness for God is sin. It will destroy you being a witness. Because what happens is the longer you're in it, the less you see wrong with it. And what you do is, is you you become a tool that Satan uses to bring other people away from Jesus. Because what they do is they look at you as being a two-faced, schizophrenic Christian of thinking you're right one day and wrong the next and you're back and forth and you don't know what you're doing because you're not, you're not focused on Christ. And they're like, I told you what nothing that following Jesus stuff. Look at him. Look at her. They're saying one thing, but they're doing something else because you're not focused on Christ. We don't want to give Satan any, any ground, do we? We don't want to give him any ground. So that means it's so important that we are walking focused on Christ so that we don't turn anybody away. Amen. We can become a stumbling block because we're not focused on Christ. That was one of the most sobering things that happened to me. I was witnessing to a friend of mine, and he encouraged, and I was, I was fighting the addiction of alcohol, and that friend lured me to take a drink with him. And I, I rationalized in my mind of, it's just one sip, it's just one drink, he'll get off your back because it's making you uncomfortable, the moment I took a sip, now my friend said, I told you what nothing of that Jesus stuff. You just like I am. Our witness is damaged when we are not sensitive to God. And our perspective is on us. How are we going to be the light of the world if we remain in darkness? See, what he says is that, look, if we give up the old life for Christ, we'll suffer as we abandon the old way we think. We'll suffer the, as we abandon people that, that, that isn't good for us. You have to walk away from people sometimes. Not saying you don't like them, not saying that you hate them. You love them, but you're not strong enough to follow Jesus and be in their company. And I've been like that. I've, I've, I'm like, you know what, brother, I love you. I care about you. But if you're not going to change your life, I'm changing mine. And I'm walking with Jesus. And until you start walking with Jesus, we can't hang out. But what's happened is they're still not walking with Christ. But now I can stand right up in the middle of all that chaos. And I can stand firm because my perspective is on Christ. And I'm not tempted by that junk anymore. But that's how we have to have. We have to have that, that, that mindset that I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I'm going to do what he says no matter what. And as long as our perspective is in the right place, we will willfully get rid of anything in our lives that don't please God. Our perspective has changed. See, the next thing is that we need to get the right outlook on life, the right perspective on life. When we get that, every moment we live, we will live it for the glory of God. It's like, who can I tell about Jesus today? Who, who can I do tell about Christ today? I had a guy that was working with me when I first got saved, and man, it was like everywhere I went, I'm telling people about Jesus. And you know, people that don't know Christ, that makes them very uncomfortable. So we're riding together, and my buddy, he's hung over from the night before, and I've been reading my Bible, and he's like, you know, we had a gas pump, and I start telling this man about Jesus, and my buddy's like, Will you shut up and get in the truck? And I'm like, No, hold on. And I'm telling him about everywhere I went, I was telling that person, telling somebody about Jesus. 
because I knew that what he had done for me. I knew, he, I knew the mess he had brought me out of, and I didn't want anybody else to go through that same junk. See, a lot of you in this room need to remember what God called you out of. You need to remember what God's brought you out of. A lot of times we get saved and we forget who we once were and we start walking in self-righteousness act like we had it made the whole time. We need to look back and say, you know what? God saved me. I'm going to tell you, God saved me from being a drunk. God saved me from being an alcoholic. And he took me away from that. And I'm telling you, I look back at that and I'm, I'm just praising God for it. And I want people to see that he can change people that are addicted. Amen? He can change people that are bound. He can deliver you, but you got to want it. And if you don't want it, you won't get it. And it's the same thing about perspective with Jesus Christ. If you don't want to follow Jesus, if you don't want to have your mind on him every day, then you won't. You've got to want it. Looking for every opportunity to share the gospel. Using whatever God has given you, whatever he's blessed you with to advance the kingdom. Whether that's money, whether that's time, whatever it is. But the problem with that is we set boundaries in our life. Like, oh, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We'll throw that blanket statement out. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. But there's that line in the sand. God, I'll give you, I'll give you any money you want me to give you, but when it gets to this line right here, I don't know what I can do. I, I just can't do that. We set up these boundaries. Why do we set up boundaries? Because it's about us. It, we, want, we want our comfort. We don't give God complete trust. I mean, I've heard people say, I trust God with my finances, but yet they won't give above and beyond because they don't trust that God's going to supply every need. I want a newsflash for you. This church don't need your money, neither does Jesus. But the thing is, the, the scripture my brother quoted a while ago, that the, the money is, is the root of all evil, but also he quoted the scripture saying, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you give your money willingly to God and say, you know what? I don't love my money more than I love you. I don't love my money more than I love you. And that's the thing. God, the more you give to God, the more he's going to bless you. It might not be materially, but it will be. He will bless you one way or the other. And I can tell you, I don't know how God, do, how God did it, how God does it, but I remember me and Serena, we first got married. Everybody got these stories. You know, we didn't have a dime. We had $5 to last for four months. I mean, all these crazy stories. Well, let me tell you, we were broke. And Sabrina didn't know what it was to be broke because she was the baby. And I knew what it was to be broke. So we had this, this, this turmoil. She's wanting to go shopping, and we got $50 the last two weeks. I was like, how am I going to get to work? I thought about selling my truck and buying a horse one time. I mean, I, it had to be something easier. But let me tell you what we did. We tithed anyway. We gave God the 10% anyway. And you know what? For some reason... I drove 60 miles to work one way, and that $50 stretched for two weeks. I don't know how it happened. All I can tell you is God, because it don't go that far now. But I'm just saying, when you put your faith in God and you put your perspective on him and you want to please him more than anything, even with the smallest of stuff as money, he will honor you for that. But we got to quit setting boundaries of saying, God, I'll give you my money until this. Because if we put this until, we put these, these, these things in place, it's like we always come up with an excuse of why we don't give. Same thing with, same thing with relationships. God, I want to honor you with my life. Give me a husband. Give me a wife that's going to honor you. And then we wait. And then it had not happened yet. And we've been single until we're 40 years old. And next thing you know, we just give up. So we marry the first 
crazy person that comes by and we wonder, God, why didn't you bless my marriage? Because you didn't wait on God. The same thing with, with other relationships. It's like, God, you want to have godly relationships. You want to have godly relationships, but you won't walk away from the ones that don't please God right now. Sometimes we've got to walk away from people that are negative influences in our life. And I ain't being mean. I ain't being, I'm not mad. I'm just being honest. Because we continue to be around the same people and we say that we want to honor God and we know that they bring us down the wrong path, but we're like, I can't do that because we've been friends since kindergarten. Okay. So, so, so that comfort, that friendship means more to you than following Jesus Christ. That means more to you than, than the eternity of, of enjoying him forever. It may be that you need to get away from that friend for a while so you can focus on Christ and come back and witness to them and he can see a change in your life because he's not seeing a change in your life right now because you're living a double life. Amen? I'm tap dancing. You better come on. See, the thing is, when we, when we, when we set these boundaries, boundaries of serving God, we set these boundaries of, God, I'll serve you, but, but Lord, when, when I have to serve you in this area that I don't like to serve you, then you know what? I'm just going to grumble and gripe. We don't grumble and gripe when we see that we're serving for a purpose. Amen? I mean, it's like, I don't know how many people I've heard complain about serving in Orange, about serving with the kids. I don't want to serve better. I don't like kids. I don't like serving with kids. They, the kids just get on my nerves. Me too sometimes. But you know what? My, my perspective changed when I went back there for the first time. And I got to tell a Bible lesson with these kids, and God just spoke in my heart. It's like, Jeremy, you're putting a seed in the heart of these kids right now. And for an hour a week, God's given us the opportunity to pour into these kids in the back the gospel of Jesus Christ so that as it gets watered over time, we will be a part. I can be a part. You can be a part of that person coming to know Jesus Christ because you're back there loving, caring for them, even though you don't really like being back there. Same thing with serving in other areas, doing different things for God. I mean, I remember a guy telling, saying, you know, that, that he couldn't serve God because he was, I forget what the excuse was, we were working, and he said, I can't serve God uh, helping build ramps because I'm handicapped. I can't, he wasn't handicapped. He was just lazy, but he didn't want to do nothing. I was like, well, you can come and help us. You, you know, just because that, that you're serving and, and you know, you, you can't physically help us at the moment, you can come and be moral support. You can bring us a board. You can hand a nail. He said, I didn't think about that. So he came and he started doing that. And that man got an opportunity to share Jesus with the, with the people we were building the deck for, because guess what? We were all working and he was just paying attention. The next thing you know, he led that person to Christ. But you got to have the mindset. If I want to do any and everything to please Jesus, our perspective has to change, amen? If we want to be, if we want to be used by God. See, and the last thing is that when we see trials, we will see trials in a different light when we have the right perspective. We'll suffer in a different way. See, when we're looking at, when we're looking at, at trials, we're looking at things, most of the time, what's our first thing? When trials are hitting, things are bad, you're, you're, you're feeling attacked. What do you do? Woe is me. Oh, Lord, what's going on? Why'd you do this to me? What's going on? What have I deserved to be going through this? Come on, y'all ain't even smiling. Y'all act like y'all ain't been through that. Y'all act like y'all ain't even said that. Some of y'all say that twice this week. Come on. 
today. Yeah, you go. Why? 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 Why me, God? What's going on? What have I ever done? What's happening? Because you're looking at you and your comfort right now. You're feeling, you're feeling hurt. You're feeling abused. You're feeling just all these crazy emotions because you're looking at you and your comfort. Instead, you're looking to the trial and saying, you know what, Jesus? What are you trying to teach me through this? What are you trying to teach me through this? See, a lot of trials we go through is because God's shaping us for something better. Amen? Amen. Now, some trials you go through because we, we've made dumb decisions, and we're going to pay for them dumb decisions. But, but, but trials I'm talking about, because you know when you've made a bad decision and you're paying for it. But then you know when, when things are coming up against you that you don't understand and, and you're, getting, you're getting hit, you're getting slandered, you're getting bad things are being said about you, you don't understand why. That's when you need to look to God and say, you know what, God, let me take myself out of my problem and let me look at you. What, what are you trying to teach me through this situation? When our, light, when our eyes, when our perspective is on Jesus, we look at trials in a different light. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. What you trying to show me? Amen? That's what, he's trying, that's what he's trying to do. When trials hit, we got to give the perspective to him. Mostly we're looking at our comfort, though. As I begin to think about that, when that, that, that parable of the seeds and the sower just came to my mind. You know, Jesus said, you know, that the, the sower came when he sowed seeds and first it hit hard ground. And, and the word didn't penetrate. Then it hit Come on, what did it hit next? Ain't none y'all read your Bible. Lord have mercy. The next, the next seed, it hit rocky ground. And where the seed went down a little bit, and it, as, it wrote, as it grew down a little bit, then it sprouted up. But because it had shallow roots, when the sun hit it, it scorched and it died. And I was like, God, what, what? As he was telling me that, it was like so many people are so worried, they're so caught up in the struggle that their life is all about the struggle and not about Jesus. So they, when the struggle gets real and the struggle gets hard, they think Jesus has abandoned them, so they shrivel around and they shrivel and they die in their faith and they don't walk with God anymore. There's been a many a person walk away from Christ because they had shallow roots. And they've, and they've allowed their life to be about the struggle. Instead of turning around, they've been focused inwardly instead of focusing outwardly to Christ. If we're going to, focus, if we're going to get, make it through a trial, we've got to look to Jesus, not to our own comfort. The next thing was with the one, um, the, when the seed was planted in the thorns. It was planted in the thorns, grew up around. Y'all remember that? As it grew up, it grew up with the thorns. And eventually what happened was it, it, it drowned out the productivity of that plant so that the thorns consumed it. See, there's a lot of you got so much negative stuff in your life that you're not bearing fruit that show you're a follower of Christ because you won't walk away from the old and walk in the new. Some of y'all need to pray some spiritual roundup in your life and kill all that junk around you. Because what's going on is, is you're, you're so caught up in all this other stuff, your focus is not on Jesus, your focus is just, you're just cluttered by all this negativity and you're not truly focusing on Christ. So you're unproductive. There's no fruit showing proof of your salvation. Oh, Lord, y'all ain't, y'all just looking away. Y'all ain't pay attention. I'm hitting too close to home. A lot of us suffer because we're doing good too. When you do walk away from those things, you do walk away from those people. When you do walk away from seeing people that see you're walking away from those things and you're following Christ, they're going to talk bad about you. And there's that hurt and there's that pain you have, but you're suffering for doing good. As long as you keep your eyes on Christ and your perspective is pleasing God, then you'll realize and identify where that's coming from. 
And you'll know to pray harder for those people. You know, as we walk through trials and we walk through things in life, we often see the trial is about just something that's hurting us because we're looking, we're looking more at the pain than we are anything. What trials do is they shape us and make us who God wants us to be. And we won't be who God wants us to be unless we go through the trials of life. Amen. I can remember as a little boy, for about 10 years, my granddaddy, we used to, uh, we used to boil cane as kids. We used to make cane syrup every year. From the, the 10 days um, of Christmas break when I was a child, we would go to my grandparents, whole family, make a family event. We'd all go down there, and we would make cane syrup as a family. And I remember I finally well, I upgraded. I, I, I used to have to ride the lawnmower around all day long, squishing the cane. But I upgraded. I got to go in the syrup house with Papa. A little older. I went in there, and Papa, my, old, my granddaddy, he'll be 92 this year. And Papa was standing back behind the old cane syrup bowl, steam. It was hot in there, and he was he was just taking that thing. And I said, Papa, what you doing? He said, I'm boiling the cane. I said, What you doing this for? I was thinking, you know, squeeze the juice out. It pours in the it automatically. It pours in the thing, and you got syrup. But you got to boil that that juice to make the syrup. And it was this nasty, nasty, thick, gray stuff on top of the cane syrup. And I was like, Papa, what is that? He said, that's all the bad stuff. That's all the bad stuff. I was like, well, why is it floating to the top? He said, well, it won't float to the top until it gets hot enough for those things to, to bubble out of it. And when the temperature gets to a certain degree, all the, all the bad stuff will rise to the top. And all I do is scoop it off. And we keep boiling it till all the bad stuff is gone and then the cane syrup's good. See, it's the same thing with trials in our life. When the heat gets turned up in our life, a lot of times the bad stuff bubbles up. Amen? When you're in a bad situation at work, now anger pops up and you say something, that's some of the bad stuff that you need to say, God, remove this from me. What God's shown me through trials is that a lot of times the trials show me the impurities of my heart. And then in that time, when those trials, when the impurities in my heart bubble up, I say, oh, God, remove these things. God, change these things. And the next trial I go through, I go through a little easier and a little easier and a little easier. Because I'm constantly looking, God, what you're doing, instead of looking at the, how hot the heat's turned up on me. So maybe today you need to start looking at life through a godly perspective instead of looking at life through your own eyes, through your own comfort. You will never be the, the person that God's called you to be without changing your perspective. You will never willingly walk away from sin. You, will ne- you, you, won't, you won't use your gifts the way God's called you to use them. And you won't walk through trials very well unless your perspective is on Jesus. Amen. And I close with this last story. And it don't even apply to this that much, but God just so impressed it upon my heart this morning. I was reading Matthew 16, and it started talking about the the unmerciful servant. And there was this servant that owed his master so much money. Y'all familiar with the story? Owed his servant, he he owed him so much money. And he comes to us, and it's come time to, to make the payment. And he comes to us, he comes to the master, and he says, I don't have it. His master says, you know, because you're, you came to me and said you can't pay, you've been honest about it. You know what? Fine. 
I, I, I'll just go ahead and I'll wipe it clean. I'll forgive you of your debt. Don't worry about it. And he was, he was happy. He leaves his master. He goes right back out and he finds some, the man that owes him money. What does he do? He slaps him around. He hollers at him. Why didn't you give him my money? And then he throws him in jail because he didn't give him his money. As I read that story, I was like, oh, what does that have to do with keeping our eyes on you? It's like God spoke to me because in the Bible, when people didn't pay their debts, they faced serious consequences. A person that lended money, they could seize the borrower. They could seize that person. They could put them, either they could, they could put them in jail until their debt was paid. And the hopes of putting them in jail was that they would realize their debt. And they would, from jail, they would sell off all their possessions to pay off the debt. Or some of their family would, would pay off the possessions and, and, and relieve the debt. And as I read that, God just spoke to me. There's so many of us in this room that don't realize that our debt has already been paid if we're walking with Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the debt of sin for our lives. All we have to do is walk and follow him, take up a cross and follow him every single day. But a lot of you in this room are in jail to sin. You're still in prison to sin. You've never walked away from sin because you think that sin, that possession is so much more valuable than Jesus. And what he's telling you is, if you'll give this, if you'll give this away, if you'll, if you'll drop this sin, you'll get out of prison. You'll be free from it. You'll be free from the bondage of it. But instead, we want to hang on to these possessions because we think this gives us more happiness than Jesus. So we're constantly back and forth in this turmoil in our body and our spirit of saying, I want Christ, but I want this too. And Jesus says that no one can serve two masters. Either you'll love one and hate the other, or you'll love the other one and hate the first one. If our life, if our perspective, if our life is not focused on Jesus Christ, if we're not sold out to him, then that says that we love ourselves more than Jesus. And nobody can serve two masters. There's many people in this room that are still in bondage to sin. You may have made the commitment a long time ago. You may have raised your hand and said the sinner's prayer. You might have even got baptized. But that really didn't mean anything when you did it because you're not truly following Christ. You're still in bondage to sin. You're, still, you're, not, you're not walking away from things that don't please God. You're still, you're still the same old person you used to be. I want to challenge you today to surrender that to God. And say, you know what? I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. I want to surrender my life to you truly for the first time today so that I may walk free from this burden I've been toting for so long. And that's you today. We just want to celebrate as you raise your hand and say, that's me today, Jeremy. I want to surrender my life and give it to him today for the first time and truly surrender my life to him. Anybody? So those of us here that are claiming to be saved, what does our actions show? What has us in bondage this morning? What has you in bondage this morning? What sin do you, are you continually to do? What are, you, what are you so involved in that you're not walking with Christ? What's holding you down? 
What do you need to be set free from this morning? Because my God is a God that sets captives free, amen? You have to be bold enough to do that. That's what his altar's for. If you got sin that you need to get rid of, then come up here and we'll pray and we'll plead the blood of Jesus to remove it from you. If you're here today and it's like, you know what, I need my perspective to change because my mind's got, got kind of shifted and, and I'm not really focused on Jesus like I should be. Maybe today you need to come to this altar and say, Lord, change my vision so I can see you more clearly. Help me, God, see things from your perspective, not mine. God, help me walk in a way of not my comfort, but your will. Amen? Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. And as the band comes up, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, you do business with God. God's convicted me. I, I, I so desire to see you guys walk with Jesus. I so desire to see you walk away from sin and please God. But I can't make the decision for you. I often feel the, the whole turmoil that Paul had of saying, if I could give up my salvation so some would make it, I would. And I always thought that was crazy, but being a pastor, I feel that agony in my spirit every single week, just desiring to see you guys truly say, I want to walk away from all this and I want to please you more, God. So that's what this altar's for. And if you didn't raise your hand and your heart's beating out your chest and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, I'll be right over here to pray with you. Father God, I pray right now that Lord is Lord, as, the, as my words start just uh, coming out of my mouth, God, that you would speak to the hearts of the people, Lord. Lord, speak to me, God. Lord, we, we are all in this together. I'm no better than anyone else, Lord. God, if I've taken my eyes off of you for one second, Lord, convict me, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us walk as people that are looking at you face to face, Lord, not people that are they're just walking with our eyes shut, Lord. Father, open our eyes so we may see you for who you really are how awesome you are. God, I pray that you would just speak into our hearts be bold enough to walk out. And God, pray for you to deliver us from sin. God, we would be serious about dealing with sin in our life. God, we would be serious about, about just walking away from things that don't please you so that we may live a life that pleases you, God, so that we are looking at the victory. We're looking at, at what you've done. We're looking at the victory on the cross, God, and we're thanking you every single day of our life as we walk in obedience to you. Lord, pray. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts like that. Give us that intensity. Give us that desire like we've never had before. God, change our perspective so that we may please you and we may honor the sacrifice that you've made for us. God, let it be so in the hearts of all of us. And God, I pray that there's baggage in our life that we don't deal with. I pray, God, that our, our week will be miserable until we deal with it. Lord, I pray you would just move in our hearts. And God, we would come to this altar and we'd be serious. Father, just move. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.